Welcome everyone to another episode of No Investment Advice. We got Drunk Fan here. What's going on, man? Yo, man. I'm just like, we, I'm fresh back. off the fresh off, <laughs> fresh off the CNBC circuit. Oh, I added them at least a hundred times between the last <laughs> appearance and this one, and they finally came through. I think they're just there's like, yo, we gotta get this guy off our back. Done. All right, so Dude, we, you were a crypto analyst, man, which is hilarious because people who listen to the show know you don't. You're Fiat fan <laughs> to us, <laughs> but somehow you were commentating on it. We got a lot of DMs being like, "Yo, dude, you don't even own crypto." I'm like, yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. CNBC wanted four crypto experts. They found three in me. It's incredible. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But we also got Jack Butcher, founder of Visualize Value. Also, he's been going off on BitCloud this week. So newly followed by Pamela Anderson. How are you feeling, Jack? You far it. You Whatever. We'll pretend it is. But uh, more, most importantly, Bilal. We got our first guest. Our special guest today, Alex. What's happening, man? Not too much. I am very excited for this. Alex, could you uh, tell uh, our dozens of listeners uh, <laughs> your, your exact background? And uh, all I'll add is that Alex is one of like the only tech people I know that has shit post in his bio, or he used to. Literally, the word shit post was in his bio, and I knew we had similar energy when I saw that. So you have to hear Alex give his brief real-life bio. Oh, man. Uh, my quick background, spent the last decade in startups, unfortunately and still in startups now so <laughs> but at a lot bigger of a company so and i love to ship post right and you, and you invest right and i what and you oh, invest. I invest i do i do yeah business. right so how do you so the question i had and the reason why i wanted to really bring you on here to grill you on was so you, kind of real professional stuff going on here in this corner <laughs> of the zoom screen unlike the rest of these jokers uh how do you marry the fact that you love ship posting and that you frankly will potentially piss people off with the fact that you have real job, a, a real, real job and that you do invest. <laughs> um, so I'm very lucky that uh, I would say a lot of the people on our team ship post as well. It's not just me. <laughs> and so I made a joke about this on Twitter this week. I was like, my mom always warned me to watch what I say on the internet growing up. And then my boss was just like retweeting everything today. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and your boss—I mean, your boss is actually—I think uh, the Carbon CEO was he the one that took a jab at Andrew Wilkinson over his uh, post about? There's a really viral post. I think I think your CEO is a shit poster too. Is that right? He's 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 a big he's a big shit poster. But I so I don't report to Aaron, but I report to Io, who's our VP of product, and uh, also like you should see what happens before stuff actually gets on Twitter. <laughs> like you guys have like a group chat, like swapping these ridiculous memes and ideas. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do multiple, <laughs> multiple group chats. What is, uh, what is the best, what is your favorite personal shit post and what is the best one you've seen from outside your account from like a real professional? Oh man. So my, the, you're asking what my yeah, favorite one is that, that I've the done. One that everyone should look at right now. Well, <laughs> I've got, uh, the one that's pinned to my profile is pretty funny because it just borderlines truth of a day in the life of a product manager. And so uh, it's like interrupt a meeting at 1030, stand up number two, um, go for a, a hike and meditation. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's what actual big PMs do at, at big companies. <laughs> and then um, I don't know, the best one that I've seen, I'd have to go back and look. I don't have one off the top of my head. I do laugh at every single one of your shit posts though. Oh, so man. it's, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta be one of your like 5,000 that you've done. 
All right, amazing, man. I'll, I'll take that. So to summarize is the reason why you can get away with shit postings because everybody that is above you at your company does it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, I feel like at this point, um, that's just what everyone expects of me on the internet. And so it, it is what it is. I don't think I can post a serious post now without being like, this is serious. Like, please don't take this one as a joke. <laughs> It, it is such a fine line though. Uh, I mean, Jack, you, Jack will know this. He has like a serious account and he has a meme burner account because I mean, Jack, what's your philosophy? You don't want to mix, you, you want to stay true to the one brand. I mean, is that the thinking? I don't know. It's, uh, the line is blurring, man. Like I think the, <laughs> I think the ship posting strategy might be a better uh, trust building exercise on a long timeline than uh, taking yourself too seriously. It's, it's a bizarre um I think the further you scroll back the timeline for me anyway, I'm like, you know, the longer I look back, the the more I'm like, I, I wish I was just joking. So you were already doing fortune cookies at like 100 followers. You were like <laughs> Zero followers. <laughs> so you've been fortune cooking the entire way. It's not like when you hit us. Oh my goodness, man. That's pretty funny, man. Uh, all right. Fair enough. Uh, Bilal, I know you got a million topics to go through. Let's just start ripping through them. No, I mean, well, yeah, I guess the other thing is, Alex, just give us a quick little background because I, I guess we didn't even really fully go into it. You just, you work at Karma right now. You you had a company before you invested too, right? Yep, yep. Uh, sold a company back in 2018. So that was like the first exit that I had. Stayed with that company for a year, started another one, end of 2019, left end of 2020. And now I ended up getting recruited into Carbon and uh, have loved it. So that's the serious bio. I've spent <laughs> time between uh, FinTech, SaaS, and now Health Tech, which is brand new for me. Um, and I will shamelessly plug that we're hiring for any of the dozens of people listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, get... I love how Bilal like pulled this back into like series. She's like, all right, bro, you're fucking derailing all this. No, I'm like, I... you have a guest, you gotta ask this guy what he does. Okay, dude, hold on. Look, I actually do have a question. What does Carbon Health do? I have no yeah. idea. Uh, we are full end-to-end -end primary care and urgent care, meaning that we both build the software that our doctors use, our patients use, how we order labs, um, diagnostics, things like that. And we actually run the primary care and urgent care clinic. So we're opening one to two physical locations a week right now. It's been a crazy week. So for people listening, what is the date today? It's Thursday, May 20th, because that's quite key because lots is changing every single day. So uh, depending on when we get this out, hopefully we'll get it out pretty quickly. Um, this has been a crazy, crazy week in crypto world. Obviously, we're all fans of it here. We've been talking about it every single episode. Um, so maybe we should just paint a picture for people who aren't really fully in that world and don't know what happened. I feel like Trung, you probably wrote about this this week or even this morning or someone on your team did. So I mean, like, we have what, to preface this by saying I don't own any crypto, which is the that, funniest. Quote, which right? is I'm like, the, listen, I'm like the dude that writes about football but has never thrown a football in his life. Like if I was on the field, I could I literally would be completely useless. So I mean. I'll just do the calls notes just because I'm I can do it and I can do it. Well, tell us what you told everyone on CNBC because they right, yeah, seem so to think I, you knew. So. Oh my god, hilarious. Okay, so May 12th, Elon tweets that he's no longer accepting payments for Bitcoin. Bitcoin had gone from I don't know like thirty thousand to sixty thousand uh, when Tesla announced that they're putting uh, one point five billion on their balance sheet. So Elon literally is just like the puppet master controlling the price of fucking Bitcoin, right? And uh, and May 12th, it's been eight days. There was a massive sell-off yesterday. Uh, it all just kind of, you know, uh, went 
it all kind of cascaded through. I think somebody said it, a bit of it had to do with the margin call. But TLDR, it, it went down more than 50% from its highs of 65,000. Went down about 30, now it's back up to 40. And Elon, yesterday, Mr. Puppet Master threw the diamond hands. A couple hours later, the Bitcoin's back up by 20%. So I think Jack put an amazing tweet. I think I'll just summarize this. Okay, so Elon's getting so much hate, right, from the Bitcoin community. And bit of me was just like, man, this is kind of like just unsafe. Right? Like he's actually destroying people's personal wealth, right? Like, and this kind of walks, you see him on TMZ all the time. This guy's just on the street signing autographs, right? But it doesn't take that much for a crazy dude just to stab or try to stab him or shoot him. It wouldn't be the first time that this happened, right? I mean, honestly, right? Is that where Trump's mind went? Like, it's dark, but like, man, yeah, Lennon yeah, was, it's true. John Lennon was fucking shot by you know, an alleyway. I mean, anybody who watches Forrest Gump knows that John Lennon was killed in an alleyway. Uh, so, so Elon is basically at John Lennon levels of fame if you look globally, and this guy just walking around on the street just destroyed at peak $500 billion of crypto wealth. And, and you know, I'm just like, I'm like, man, this is like kind of dangerous. But Jack, who's actually the greatest chronicler of crypto in our three-way chat with Bilal and Jack, just send like nonstop tweets about crypto. They're all so insightful. But uh, Jack, why don't you say what this, I mean, the, the guy said about Elon and long-term thinking, Did, were you able to internalize that? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's, uh... There's, there's two sides to the argument people are taking, right? One is like just so eccentric and messing around. And then the other side is this guy thinks on a time frame that is imperceptible to most people. It's like you're trying to create an interplanetary species and like move an entire planet onto a different source of renewable energy. Right. So is it feasible that this like toying with the monetary system that he doesn't have some bigger idea at play that is very difficult to fathom. And there's like some 8D chess going on in order to like bring about some massive amount of change. I don't know what I make of it, but it's an interesting way to articulate the argument as well. You could also just say he's pissing around because he wants <laughs> attention and more clicks and more Tesla orders or whatever else. But um, it make it, it it's, it's very difficult to, imagine being able to hold those two ideas in your head, right? Like I'm full-time joking about crypto and I'm also like trying to develop some rocket that can land itself. It's kind of bizarre. Well, Alex, you did, you said you did FinTech previously. What, I mean, what are your thoughts about what Jack just said about Elon working on this like 50 year time scale? Uh, I don't know if I buy that in regards to Elon and his views on crypto, <laughs> but um, what I do think is like, I, I personally feel like Bitcoin has just been a series of memes over the last decade, like finally compounding into what it is today. And I think Elon is finally trolling back the Bitcoin trolls over the last decade. Um, so I view him as a modern day God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but I do, I do think like it's not unsurprising that Elon is taking the same playbook that all the Bitcoin bros have done for the last five years and just doing it at a much larger scale. And the mm -hmm. whole thing is the, the whole thing is subject to volatility with people's perceptions. I'm not sure. I still don't necessarily fully understand how Bitcoin works and like why it has a value, um, which makes it even more vol volatile to me when people are doing stuff like Elon is. Jack, this is your sailor moment. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. Alex to put his entire allocation. <laughs> By the end of this, we're gonna get Trung and Alex all in. So, no, well, I mean, yeah, it's a fair point. Pop, 
Pomp, Pomp told me to buy like 10K of Bitcoin uh, a month ago and it was at 50K and I was like, ah, oh, do I do it? And then I decided not to. I'm very happy I didn't. <laughs> Wait, Alex, are you, are you also at zero like me? Yeah, no Bitcoin. Oh, no you'll, be on CB, you'll be on CBC just, in no time, dude. Just Doge. <laughs> all, I, all, I, all I own is a little bit of Doge. <laughs> hey, I, I had a question about the, uh, the I, I read a tweet the other day about, I think it was Pomp, talking about like your journalistic requirement to not hold or to disclose assets that you hold when you're reporting a story like are we like just beyond the ability to keep track of that at this point trung do you is there any like i mean like i'll, I'll tell you from my experience like so i moved like when i was trading more in 2020 in really really awful trades uh i mean i'm moving in and out of so many names right it's like it got to a point where i'm like man do i just i literally just wrote to my editor i'm like should i just write disclaimer like the author of this, like uh, the author of this article, may or may not own this asset mentioned right, right. in the future or has in the past. Like, it's just gone to the point where I'm just in so there's so many things happening. Right? I can't. I, I mean, you you should, frankly, you should. But I think at this point, it should just be uh, the the understanding should just be there. Put that disclaimer. Listen, I might go in. I might have been in like. Just, just well, that's, know that's not a disclaimer though, is it? That's like, yeah. that's basically like disclaimer. <laughs> anything might be true. Yeah, yeah. it's just like- <laughs> You're like, I, I may or may not be in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly, right? Like- The uh, sky may, may or may not be blue. Yeah. <laughs> no, or you just call the podcast, or you just call the podcast, not investment no, advice, investment and you can do advice. anything you want. <laughs> yeah. There you go. No, I mean like, there, there have been a couple, so you got you guys will laugh, but the last time I was on CNBC, I, I'm just gonna, as many times as I can mention the words, I was on CNBC, I'm just gonna keep doing it. Uh, they, uh, so I, was, I wasn't pumping Kathy Wood, I was just saying, you know what, I kind of get what she's doing, but I'd written a couple of Kathy Wood articles in the past, and there's like, hey man, can you just add a disclaimer that you own? I'm like, man, I didn't even own it at that time. Like you're asking me to go back in time and add a disclaimer for because I was on CMC, which fair enough. It was like, it's very visible. Who's asking you that? Right? They also asked you. That. my team, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Chong, I have a question for you. Yeah. Were you on CNBC? <laughs> twice, <laughs> twice, two times. The real question yeah. is, how many times were you on CNBC? Yeah. Uh, I actually wanted to do a quick spiel on Elon because I did uh, do a little bit of research on his PayPal days. And uh, one of the big things that pissed people off on Sunday when he got into that beef with the Bitcoiners was that they're like, oh, look, Elon like pulled out the credential card, right? He's like, he did the whole like elementary school student, like, oh, I've been thinking about this. You guys might've heard of PayPal. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's actually a really good interview where he walked through like his whole thinking on PayPal. I mean, like, so this guy was, has been thinking about payments and, and monetary system currency clearly for 20, 30 years, right? And the reason why he started X.com, which merged with Confinity, which Peter Thiel founded to become PayPal, was that he had a, he sold Zip2 for like 300 mil, which was like a location services company. He sold that to Compaq. He pocketed 16 mil after tax. But here's the thing. He wanted to do sustainability stuff from the early his early 20s, but he saw the internet was growing. He's like, shit, I, I'm going to play around the internet. He, he did his first uh, uh, Silicon Valley play, sold it. But then he's like, you know what? I want to do one that's even bigger than this. I want to take on a highly regulated industry. But he's also like, his criteria was what uses information, but is extremely low bandwidth. And he looked at two things. He looked at video and he looked at money. And he's like, internet's not ready for video. This is 99. And he's like, money, very low bandwidth, right? And the institutions that exist, banks are just fucking dinosaurs. 
And it was the first time actually that he took on a highly regulated industry. And people don't remember this, but Elon got very far. He was one of the first FDCI reg, uh, uh, backed banks uh, on the internet. He had 200,000 subs, had deals with like Visa, uh, and he ended up getting booted from PayPal when they combined. But I mean, this guy's been thinking about information and money for a very long time, right? And his whole, his whole point about money, and which I would think would be interesting regarding Bitcoin is this. He says money, the only purpose of money is to allocate resources, right? A lot of people think that, but he literally just says it straight. It's like, the only reason I think about money is where does labor go and how do I direct it in the right direction? So that is how I, the frame I think he'd be looking at Bitcoin is like, uh, can I use Bitcoin as a way to you know, divert labor in certain directions? And Bitcoin might not be the best move, right? It's a store value, not necessarily medium of exchange or medium of account. But anyways, the guy's fucking been thinking about it, man. All these haters need to like lay low. Trunk, can I ask a question for you? Well, for everyone, like, do you realistically think though, and I, I think everything you said is really true. Like he's clearly, like he knows what he's doing. Like he's not just messing around completely. Uh, but even if he knows what he's doing, he might be doing it just for fun. We don't know. But realistically, when they put that amount of money on Tesla's balance sheet, surely someone who his life is dedicated to like environmental impact and Tesla and renewables, like surely you must know what they eventually tweeted a few months later, right? Like 100%. it seems a bit crazy. So, <laughs> so the fact that he's saying now, okay, yeah, Bitcoin uses a lot of energy or whatever he said, it seems to me like that seems kind of stupid. Like, so I, I just, I started losing a little respect when I was like, okay, like I got to separate my own kind of bias too, because I'm obviously a fan of crypto as well. Um, but I was like, dude, you're just messing around with people so much by this point. It's it's tough to figure out. Well, the last comment I have on this before I'm in one so upon just basically, I just think he's realizing that he can control. I mean, he already knew it with Tesla, right? He could tweet his way to a $600 billion company, essentially. And he's doing the same with what really is the next store of value that can compete with gold. And he's just like, fuck, I have all this power. Like, why not see where I can take it and the, the boundaries of it, right? It's... Listen, man, Henry Kissinger said power is the greatest aphrodisiac, dude. Like, how is this guy going to stop? He's seen how much power he has. Yeah, you know, the other thing, I was listening to that Balaji, uh, well, we talked about that a few episodes ago, Balaji, Tim Ferriss, this idea of post-economic, like you're an individual that's like your concept of money for like, as it relates to your personal life has, has evaporated, right? It's like you don't even, doesn't even like the money you spend as an individual doesn't even really factor into your decisions. So like I would imagine you just get like these like heady conceptual uh, rabbit holes about what it is. And that's maybe where this stuff comes from. Other people are like looking at the price go up or down a thousand dollars and it's like changing the direction of their life. He's like thinking about it very differently than the typical person, right? Well, actually I have a question for Alex is as you see, like how obviously Elon is using kind of his, the, 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 the memeing, he understands, attracts an audience and he's able to direct out on things. When you, and I mean, you're some people you work with are shit posting. It obviously makes you more likable, more relatable. Is that, do you see that helping with recruiting? Do you see that helping, like, where do you see that tangibly affecting your business? Oh, I mean, it impacts everything. Like I've met so many people just because I get messages saying, 
I love your tweets. I hate th- watching all this, like thoughtful and reading all these thoughtful or posts on Twitter, all this stuff. Um, so it helps. Yeah. Recruiting, uh, meeting co-investors, meeting companies, all that. I think people find the genuineness, uh, very, very relatable. Um, I think at Elon's scale of what, 60 or 70 million followers on Twitter. Now he's probably the only person in the entire world who is actively tweeting about this stuff with that large of an audience. Like he moves markets more than, CNBC does or more mm-hmm. than Fox or more than it like and this is the first time in history that we've had someone with legitimately like there is a cult following behind Elon but there's like everyone knows about him um just so many hundred like, tens of millions of people and so when he says something it has a ripple effect now crypto is not regulated by the SEC so I don't know what sort of repercussions there are for him just you know tanking billions of dollars in in, in value but <laughs> this is this is the first time ever that we've got a publicly facing figure um, incessantly tweeting about something that's related to financial markets. And so I think you're seeing like the power of the internet at scale. Yeah. I mean, you look at like GameStop, right. And you've got a non-crypto, like an actual publicly traded company that now look at the power of Reddit and communities and the internet and just how fast information spreads. And all of a sudden you've got like the stock market has always been a large part based on people's emotions and like not actual fundamentals of companies. And now you've got that at scale on the internet with people who have massive audiences being able to move things. And so it's, it's, I mean, none of this existed five years ago. So we're seeing the very first inklings of the ability for financial markets to be even more unstable than they are. And then unregulated assets to be very unstable uh, because of people's perceptions. So, um, and even this last year, you know, you look at Robinhood's growth and public's growth and all these like like all the apps that let people trade stocks, um, everyone moved online for doing this stuff. It's just it's just a massive shift into um, internet information spread. You said it very eloquently, Alex. I think like the fundamentals are ev- are evaporating from like the rest of the market, at least how people make decisions about these things. But all of Elon's companies operate from a different definition of fundamentals, right? Which is, I think, influences the way he talks about everything and thinks about everything where it's like, rules don't apply to me. What, you have to make something and then sell it for more than you paid for it? No, I'm not gonna do that. Like, I'll make the difference (laughs) after 300 years when we're on Mars. So that's a complete different way of thinking. And I think that is like bleeding into these like crazy uh, rants on money. Yeah. I mean, you also look at what he's done and he took on, I mean, you know, like him or not, he took on two very massive antiquated spaces that no one thought that they could break into traditionally. Like who, who, and, and he did it well. Like you look at Tesla's execution and, you know, they've had their problems, but When's the last time you heard of a car company coming to market at mass market like that? Oh, it's a hundred years. years. It's literally over a hundred yeah. years. Yeah. I, Same thing with space. Like, can you think of any other space companies besides NASA and SpaceX? I mean, and like, yeah, yeah. The, Blue the, Origin, obviously, but that's just like another billionaire. They're just I mean, a multi-hundred billionaire, right? It's like two guys in the world literally can do it. Well, I haven't done my research on this, but like solar, what's it? What's the solar business? Solar called? City. Solar City. Yeah. Is that still going? Yeah, yeah, it got so. it combined with Tesla. And uh, so SolarCity and Starlink, like this is mm-hmm. another layer to it where it's like a network, like the infrastructure network, energy, internet, communication, like plug money into that. It's like you're building your own little universe that doesn't operate by the rules that have been entrenched by per, like, you know, system X yeah. or m- mathematical 
valuation of companies that written yeah. by Benjamin Graham or whoever else. It's just <laughs> well, and you look at what he said on SNL where he's like, do you really expect that I would be a normal person <laughs> like yeah, doing right. all this stuff? And like, no, I mean, I've, I've thought about this for a while. Like there's no way someone who is that absolutely delusionally, like just enough sanity to make these things happen realistically, like is not going to be a normal person is not going to be a sane person. And now you're seeing that translate to, to the next thing that he's obsessed <laughs> with, which is crypto, whether it's Doge or Bitcoin or whatever. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Ford announce their electric truck last night, and I'm obsessed with it. If I was Elon, I would be shitting myself right now because I think- That's selling Ford's- car in America yeah. for 39 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, the, the Ford F-150 sold 600 or 700,000 units in 2020. And you talk about, I'm really excited because I eventually believe everything's going to be electric. We're going to have grid, like electric grids, batteries going to be able to be charged in 10 or 20 minutes instead of two hours. And now you have- the most popular truck in America, like most popular with most of what America's demographic is now mm-hmm. getting access to an electric vehicle that caters to them. I'm, I'm super excited. But I read something about like the, I think it was a, an example in like phone manufacturing. It's like the, the innovator rarely like, was that you that posted that trunk? Like the innovator rarely like survives for decades and decades. So Nokia, for example, with phones like came and popularized it. And then everybody with the infrastructure and the operational excellence comes in. Second mover, like the second or third mover comes in. Uh, No, you're right. Same with Google. Google wasn't a first search engine. Facebook wasn't a first uh, social network. network, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you guys remember Rogan? uh, When uh, Elon was on Rogan the first time, there's this great clip. We could probably clip it out, but he goes, he says Alex's point. He's like, Rogan's like, so what's it like in your brain? He's like, trust me. You, you don't want to be yeah. in here. It's, like, it's the greatest. He's just like, trust me, you, I can't turn it off, right? Like, I can't turn this thing off. Actually, I'll tell you a crazy story. Um, my but, uh, Elon flew up uh, pre-COVID to a party in Victoria, BC. And he showed up at like two in the morning on a lavender farm uh, in Victoria, BC. Uh, he came with, I think, three of his kids. Uh, Owen Wilson was at this party. Uh, totally random, uh, but I'm in British Columbia. So I knew a couple of people that went to this party. It was like very secretive. And, uh, and my buddy, Elon shows up at two in the morning and he just walks up to this party and my buddy kind of bumps into him and like was just observing him, said hi. And then obviously you're going to watch what Elon's up to, right? And Elon just kind of stood in the corner and like stared at a light for like 40 minutes. And my buddy's like, this guy's probably trying to solve like how to land a rocket on Mercury right now. <laughs> He's just like staring <laughs> at a light for 40 minutes. Um, but that was one thing I want to add. The other one I want to add about, uh, Alex's point on emotions, kind of dictating uh, investing was, uh, this is a massive name drop. I'm waiting to name drop it, but I interviewed Stanley Druckenmiller last week, literally the Mount Rushmore of investors. He's the guy that broke the bank of England, made a billion dollars on a trade shorting, uh, the pound. Um, but he's just telling me this story that made me feel so good. We'll publish it. It's been out there before, but I heard it. I was like blown away. At the top of the dot-com bubble, this is literally one of the greatest investors ever. He had two portfolio managers underneath him. He was very, uh, he was shorting the, the, the dot-com bubble. Uh, and he, it was going so badly. He was losing so much money. They finally turned around, went long, made a bunch of money in 99. And then in early 2000, he took his money, all the markets, like this is insanity. But then he saw his two portfolio managers underneath him ripping. The bubble is still going. He fucking gets on the phone and puts a $6 billion bet in. And he said that he called the top of the market by about 10 minutes and he lost $3 billion. <laughs> Literally one of the greatest investors ever. And he couldn't stop himself. 
He literally oh, couldn't man. stop himself. And he yeah. and the way he just kept it off was like saying, like, hey, man, what did you learn from that lesson? Like everybody always ask him, what did you learn from buying at the top of the dot-com bubble? He's like, I learned nothing. I knew this 20 <laughs> years ago. I knew that I shouldn't have done this 20 years ago, right? It's like I couldn't stop myself. It's like it was literally impossible. So fuck, man, like 8 million or 10 million, 50 million people on their phone right now. They can't stop themselves because they'll fuck yeah. what is. Yeah, it's, it's illegal gambling. Gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. Could I, you talked about emotion. That's a big point because I think like a lot of us who've owned crypto for some time, a lot of people will say, oh, I wish I bought more. And then when you're in a bull market, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to keep buying on the way up and oh, I'm going <laughs> to dollar cost average and I wish it was half the price. And then when it happens, that's the moment of truth. So I'm curious for like someone like Jack who... Uh, I don't know how much you can share of actual amounts, but we've seen it, some of it in your account on this podcast. <laughs> we know you've got quite a significant amount uh, of money in crypto from Ethereum or Ether, uh, Bitcoin before that. Um, so like, I'm curious, like for you, this, when, when was it? One or two days ago, when you wake up and you've got a bunch of notifications and you've got like the, all the red, like I open my app and I'm like, 30 40 percent everything's down and i have like my portfolio set up and i see a huge you know loss obviously um like i'm curious like how did you feel man because like what how'd you deal with that because like a lot of people just like were texting me like oh my god I'm, what am i supposed to do am i supposed to sell someone else and i've just like liquidated to us usdt or whatever i'm like no this is literally everything you're not supposed to do if you're holding long long term so just like i'm curious like you seem pretty chill about it but like any thoughts there yeah uh i'd buy more so I'd, the, uh, there we go that's the way did you buy did you buy more yeah yeah but the, normally uh, <laughs> yeah 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 of course so i learned i learned this lesson i think like this is my like tiny um i think it was when covid was hitting for the first time um my twitter feed i was on zero hedge every night so i was like fuck like you know wearing a mask in my apartment by that point i was like the world's ending man the what celia the world's ending like get the get uh clear out the closet we're gonna get some beans we're gonna get a gas stove it's over yep, it's over yep. sell your stocks get everything i got out of everything and uh then i was like looking back reflecting on that thesis i was like i lit like my prediction was what was i gonna do just like i was trying to get my cash out so i could spend it so like when like i have money to spend while the world ends I was like what the f what kind <laughs> of you gotta buy a toilet roll with something man what's it gonna do it was like pure emotion right that that yeah. moment was like pure emotion idiocy and it's like has my thesis on any of this stuff changed and i think that was like just seeing the market rebound for that and miss all of it was just yeah. like that Same was the dude. most moronic shit I ever did in my life. And uh, a year or two years later, you look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, obviously, in hindsight, humanity is going to figure out the problem and march forward. And if you're reasonably diversified, you should like it will tick back up eventually. Right. You're, be you're either betting on the hum like human ingenuity long term or you're not. And that like to me was like has my belief in like ethereum and bitcoin changed in the last 48 hours no so why would i sell more there is a valid point though with like if someone like elon is determined to destroy it it's a bit different <laughs> because it, you know you are like and i tweeted about this yesterday it's like if elon musk's 
tweets are like can have an, a, an extreme impact on your financial future, you may be like allocated very poorly and overexposed a little bit overexposed (laughs) slightly overexposed and i i I believe that to be true but like the way uh it's really a it's like a zero or a ridiculous outcome that's kind of the the allocation strategy on my end it's not i'm not pomp you know 98 (laughs) percent bitcoin or anything like that but uh definitely like a uh Probably a financial advisor would be like, that's a little bit aggressive. It's <laughs> a little bit aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, My, what, what did you do in March last year? Did you did you go all cash? No, I uh, <laughs> so I actually bought in March right before the the big dip at that time. Um, okay. Thinking, uh, I for I I sort of definitely underplayed the effect COVID would had. I would have, I thought it was going to be a very like minor flu like type of thing. And obviously it's not. Um, that was first week of March before everything started getting crazy. One of my best friends, he, uh, he's a financial or he invests professionally. I forget what his actual job is, but he actually like professionally invests with a hedge fund. And, um, he said something to me maybe like a year and a half ago that stuck with me, which is if you just expand out a stock market chart over a long enough period of time, stocks never go down. The market only goes up. And so I always took that, like, I think about that with everything. I'm just like, I'm buying in and I'm forgetting about it for 20 years. And if it continues to hold true for the next 20 years, stocks will never go down. And so, um, you know, there's been dips, of course, to 1999, 2007, 2019, or whatever the fuck the market crashed like recently and then came back up. But over a long enough time horizon, your stocks never go down. And so the longer you hold, the higher chance you have of it continuing to go up and to the right. And so I don't try to day trade. I don't try to like buy and sell stocks. I just throw it all into ETFs and and some individual stocks and just like sit on it for years and forget that it exists. Well, you also angel invest too, which is the same, right? You just never see it until there's an outcome or there's a scandal. Yeah. <laughs> i'm actually reading the Therana story right now bad blood the whole story about oh my god uh, it's, it's amazing it, it's, so it, good. It, it, it's so good and it irritates me so much reading through it and just like reading parts of those those stories but um yeah angel investing and is interesting and i invest like as part of a more like an angel fund so a bunch of operators have put in money and then i invest larger checks besides my own capital Um, but you have like, you're forced to hold it over a long time horizon and you're forced to take very binary like risks on very binary outcomes. So it's a lot different than public investing. Um, but I love it. Like the best thing for me is meeting a founding team who's actually doing something interesting and like in the trenches doing hard work and being able to write them a check and then see how it goes over a period of time. How much do you factor in the humor in their Twitter feeds as investing (laughs) criteria? (laughs) Some of my best investments, the, the founders have no Twitter presence at all, which is probably a good thing. That's probably uh, a good thing. Yeah, we talked about this for sure. <laughs> company performance is inversely related to how much they tweet. I was actually saying, I, we actually, in the early episode, I was giving the opposite thesis. I'm like, if you look at, uh, if you look at uh, what's the name of the WeWork guy? Adam, Adam Newman. Newman. Yeah, Adam yeah. Newman and then uh, the Theranos uh, founder. They both had zero. They, all their media was done through filtered mediums, right? So my thesis, which is the opposite of what Alex just said now, like, <laughs> I think if you have, I think if you are being public facing through 
filters like uh new york times wall street journal new yorker uh but you have no twitter presence that to me is a red flag because mm. you just want everything handheld you don't want to stress test your ideas like you know aaron levy's just out here fucking tweeting the left right center for a 10 billion dollar public company actually box i don't know if it's 10 billion maybe 5 billion but uh yeah. anyway i have a lot of awful theses that might be one of them no i think that it? that's right it's like you're as a founder you're afraid to have so, any sort of negative hit on your persona you're you're afraid of like not having a perfectly clean media yeah. like public perception that is a red flag and i've seen founders who are like that where they just are like something negative potentially could happen and they go into full crisis mode i'm like oh chill the fuck out no one remembers <laughs> anything in a week from now like okay. you could literally like think about the number of like vcs who have come out now with terrible sexual harassment claims like no one remembers them two years later and so people are on the Midas memory. list they're back at the top of the Midas <laughs> list okay. uh it's just that, that's just how i view tweeting as well and like my goal is to never cancel myself but um it's just no one's gonna remember a tweet of mine from i don't even remember my own tweets from two weeks ago right you famous last not... words dude yeah. <laughs> yeah. someone's listening to this right now and creating a before and after yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. they're screenshotting all my tweets <laughs> <laughs> Hey, All right, I, what I was thinking got? about this just before the um, before we got on. I was trying to change my mic. I was like, this this episode, right? Imagine if you're watching your grandparents do a podcast 80 years ago. You'd probably be like, <laughs> most of the things they said, you're probably like, oh, you can't really say that anymore. Dude, could you imagine? Could you imagine? That's why we got one beep an episode for Trunk. Hold on a second. Wait, I got to do my victory lap. On the last episode, there the day go. after Bill Gates' divorce news comes out, I go, guys, I got a text from my billionaire friend. He runs in these circles. All he did was send me a picture of Gates and Epstein. He says, I think this is what happened. Sure enough, a week later, front page news, Bill yeah, Gates dude. hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein, strained marriage. God, I need to get in these circles, Head man. of the game, son. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that, well, actually, that's I, been a crazy week. Well, I, had one, well. I had one more. I had one more joke about that. Just because I like to throw jokes out there. <laughs> the scheduled jokes. <laughs> listen, you you want to know how big? I mean, everybody knew. I mean, I, I was telling you guys, this guy's a pussy hound, right? They're fucking pussy hound. <laughs> this shouldn't be shocking to anybody. You want to know what kills me about Jeff Bezos? Jeff Bezos almost died in a helicopter accident in 2003. Just Google it: helicopter Texas Jeff Bezos. He was looking for land to start Blue Origin. Do you know what his mistress and and now girlfriend or partner does as a living? She's a helicopter instructor. This dude is such a pee hound. <laughs> this guy almost died <laughs> 17 years ago. He's willing to like woo her by doing what dude, he takes helicopters lessons with her just to be with her. He almost died 17 years ago in a helicopter. Sounds like true <laughs> love to me, Trunk. Dude, I think you <laughs> it's so third listen, four guys on this pod. I'm not going to generalize, but we know, we know the feeling of this guy. This guy's like, yo, I almost died in a hell car. I don't care. I'm going after her, man. I just see the four grins right now. So. Oh, man. You know, oh, it's man. True. That's it. Blah. Next No, topic, it's good. Please. No, I think we, we're good on that. The, um, <laughs> do we finish off? Uh, well, a couple of other things to bring up on the Bitcoin stuff, because we kind of talked about one of the catalysts being Elon and Tesla, which I think was obviously a huge part of this. A second one we didn't get to talk about was Bitcoin pizza. So <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this, but yeah, I just saw Alex's head nod. 
<laughs> this I, is, uh, look we all we're all fans of pump on the show like we we've talked about I'm it before fan, I'm I, I think pump was there i also thought this was hilarious it was brilliant but the timing was so crazy like the fact <laughs> i mean i know trung you put up a tweet of like the drop and you put oh i didn't, uh, I, didn't I, I sent it to you guys if you wanted to tweet it it was like the pizza fit perfectly inside well yeah that's what put, I, I sent that to people as well i was like i don't want to send this right now but <laughs> you know, Yo, me, I'm telling you, me and Alex, man, that's ESP, bro. <laughs> Alex, okay, so I know you chat with Palm 2 Alex. What was your, let's get, let's get you. Well, actually, re- before that, could we just share, because a lot of people haven't seen what it is, so let's okay. just quickly share what it is. Uh, one of you could share it if you want. Uh, what was it? Because it's happening this weekend, Saturday, I think. Um, does anyone want to say, or I can summarize it if you want. Yeah, I don't nuts. really understand fully. I still think it's just Domino's white labeled with Bitcoin on the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So yeah, what, what happened is Pump announced um, BitcoinPizza.com or something like that. And it was um, like this weekend coming up, people can go on this app on the website and order pizza. And it was like a pizza box that was custom made for them and stuff like that. And they, they created basically like a ghost kitchen network or whatever, where local pizzerias will create, uh, will make pizzas for you and deliver it to you. I'm sure lots of people will post it and kind of celebrate. It's a great like marketing uh, campaign basically for Bitcoin. But the crazy timing is it literally was a day or so just before this huge crash. And then obviously people are having fun, fun with that as well. So. But yeah, back to what you were asking, Alex. So, Trung, do you want to say that again for Alex? Yeah, I just want to say what, what Alex's uh, uh, thoughts of the whole thing, where I know he's a fan of shit posting and uh, is clearly <laughs> on the same level, but he's also friends with Pump. So, give me, give us the rundown. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, like it's hard to find people who have conviction in something for that long of a period of time. Like, he has been pumping, is what I call his pumping, pumping Bitcoin since <laughs> uh, like 2011. And just continues to do. I'm sure he's got a shit ton of holdings in Bitcoin from coming in at a really cheap cost basis. But uh, I, I don't know. I've gone back and forth on like muting, unmuting because I just I can't have my feed full of full of Bitcoin stuff all day long. Um, but I respect the fact that he's like stuck to his guns over the last decade and like went from uh, I think at one point he was in the army and then he was at Snapchat and then just like Bitcoin. <laughs> and so, but you know, he's he's. Uh, you know, it's definitely not an overnight thing for him, but I definitely find the, it's just a lot to consume. I don't need, I wish, I wish Twitter just gave me a way of like reducing the number of tweets I saw per person, because I want to see some of them, which are interesting, but not like to the moon, to the moon, to the moon, like 10 times in my feed in an hour. <laughs> you know, unfollow, you, you might want to mute Jack. No, I'm playing. <laughs> just mute Bitcoin and Miami. Those two words together will reduce like 90% of the tweets I see. <laughs> I wanted to hop over and I, I did want to talk about BitCloud a bit before Alex left. And, uh, and that's kind of what I want to talk about Jack, first of all. So for people who don't know, BitCloud is this decentralized social network. It just looks like a cheap version of Twitter, but uh, apparently a lot of uh, uh, top notch investors are into it. Like uh, Chamath, Naval, Sequoia. Uh, I think even Andreessen, probably Andreessen for sure. I heard Balaji say on My First Million, he said he was invested too. Oh, Balaji's in it. And yeah. so, yeah, TLDR is uh, the, the social network, decentralized social network, whatever, lets you invest into people's profiles. Uh, I was once at 200,000, now I'm at 80,000, so I no longer use the platform. I hate it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I will say is funny is I, I asked Jack about it uh, when it came out like six to eight weeks ago. And Jack's like, I can't hop on just yet. I got to see how this plays out. I have a brand to protect. So Jack, 
you joined this week. Can you tell us what you saw and, and, and what's happening with you and Pamela Anderson uh, in this last couple of 48 hours? Well, the uh, Bellagio endorsement was like the, I think the, the, you know, the signal where I was like, I'm comfortable with this now. Like I've consumed a lot of that guy's work. So like, I like the way he thinks. And the signal from the platform itself, they open sourced the code. So all of the uh, criticism of it over the last few months was like, somebody's running some scam here. Everyone's going to get rugged. And, you know, uh, the, the founding team is just going to like pull all the funds. But now they've released the code and people a lot smarter than me have read the code and seem to think that it's legit. Obviously, there's some incentive there. Balaji is an investor in it. So maybe you can subtract that from the endorsement a little bit. But um, there's also the thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I got a bunch of Twitter accounts banned. So there's a, just an interesting thing to play with there. It definitely feels like logging on to AOL Instant Messenger in back like in 2003, the day. right? It's like, it's a little dodgy. It's rough around the edges. Like <laughs> stuff doesn't send every time you press the button. Um, but, but there's something cool about like how nascent it is. And, um, I've had a few people I've met over the last few years that have just seen like huge inflection points in their business from like adopting a network as it grew. So TikTok's a good example of that. Like got friends that have built brands on TikTok where the supply and demand is just completely skewed to the point where if you're a creator on a platform that has more eyes and, and that's true of all platforms but this one has a global feed right now right so you can post and everybody on the platform sees it it's not like twitter where you're create curating your feed everybody's posts go into the global feed because there's not enough traffic for that just to just be a complete shit storm right so i think it's like part hedge part experiment part like i've got a few little crypto projects going on so like getting into that community meeting people over there um and yeah, got the got the Pamela Anderson follow this morning, so that's uh, a lot of validation there. But you um, you said she's actually involved, like she's like a legit person on there. First of all, it sounds like, and yeah, she's I mean, been she's in the, kind of she's in this space a little. She's in the like she's pushing for decentralization, man, and uh, she's been what? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just looking at Trunks' face. I know he's got four jokes going in his head oh, that I he's keeping there. She's <laughs> Canadian. I'm I'm not, I'm I'm gonna keep it clean. That's uh, uh, four yeah, four big trunk. I just feel like 2017 was too early for the ICO scam year, like the year of the ICO mm. scams. And now it's all happening in 2021. Like for me, BitCloud just feels like personal ICOs and I don't get it. Um, maybe I'm missing something, but it's just, I feel like everyone, again, forgot about what happened in 2017 where every single company that did an ICO is investigated. And now we're just shit coins are through the roof and everyone has their own personal coin. Yeah. Well, can I just add one point, Alex? I think, yeah, that's definitely a great point. But I'd say like ICOs were probably like 99% scams. And then one of them was Ethereum or like Ether or whatever. So like that was an ICO from what I, from what I understand. So like, especially when something is completely unregulated and there's charlatans trying to make money overnight, <laughs> which we're seeing now with all the dog <laughs> coins and the meme coins and come rocket and all that stupid stuff. <laughs> like, right. We know that last very short term. And like, even someone like me, who's trying to keep long-term minded gets involved with that just for jokes. Do you know what I mean? So I can't, I'm like being hypocritical here, but I do think the idea of it in theory seems kind of stupid at first, but then I can see where there is value there, right? Like long-term, 
what right now twitter and facebook pretty much gain 99.9 percent of the value of the ecosystem and then it used to be the fact that we would be able to build a decent audience where we actually get you know to, to speak to people directly but now it's not really li like that anymore so uh, it's interesting to see how um something like a bit cloud or something that's decentralized could potentially work but again who, who knows there's like so many services that twitter actually provides like they do do some sort of moderation they do keep bad stuff off the platform to the best of their ability i don't know how that works on on bitcloud or something like that i mean i guess i'm not sure if the argument is we want full freedom of speech and we don't want social media or uh, you know companies to limit what we're saying or if it's i want to monetize my own audience and i'm mad that twitter is capturing my you know my monetization i have arguments against both i think the thing that gets overlooked time and time again is if I don't actually think a decentralized social network is good because the amount of shit that is filtered through that, like where we eventually see what we see is just beyond anyone's comprehension That's so true. that, that we would end up with just like the <laughs> worst of the internet in a decentralized social network. And I don't think that that's actually what anyone wants. And so I actually think all these, you know, sort of proponents of a decentralized social network in their heart, they still want some level of moderation because I think the last thing that they want to do is be posting all their stuff on a network that you have child porn coming through and people being trafficked and like money laundering Completely. and just and just all the stuff that's awful. Um, there is a level of moderation that needs to happen. I don't know who draws that line in the sand, and that's like the debate that'll go on for forever. Um, but it's just you know, and then on the argument of like, is, is Twitter actually capturing? the market cap of your tweets and your audience. Well, one, everyone's on the platform, so you have distribution. And two, you get to do things like post a podcast or launch a company or do whatever and convert your following. And like, you can monetize your following in other ways that isn't directly related to engagement. So definitely, at least on Twitter's profile. Yeah, that's a fair point, man. Well, I don't know, have you guys watched the QAnon um, documentary on HBO? No, I started it. I just started watching it last <laughs> night and it was everything you were saying there. I was like, oh my God, this is the crazy. I've never been on any of those like uh, 4chan and stuff, but like the stuff that the moderators must see is crazy. Oh. And, and even at like YouTube, so I, I used to work at YouTube for a while, Alex. Some of the people I know who are really junior, their job was to moderate like stuff that got put in the queue uh, when mm -hmm. they first died. And the stuff they would see, honestly, like all jokes aside was like really really terrible that you know yeah, it's horrible. gonna impact yeah. you mentally for many years Wait, hold on. Like oh, these are like these weren't contractors these are so eventually employees. It, yeah so eventually it became contractors but when i started it was oh. 2010 and <laughs> literally there were stanford oxford cambridge grads i knew uh like that their job was what was called working in the bin uh, like oh. Ben is like trash can. Oh my god, right? dude! And that's like and a Black like, episode, man. Well, have, yeah, you, have you guys read? I think it was Casey Newton who did an article, like the profile on the Facebook contractors yeah. that work on modern. It was oh yeah, some of the it's worst insane. I've read. Yeah. So I can't believe that they had like Oxford and oh they, man, they, they it was had, crazy. Like, got hired by Google. It's amazing. <laughs> the people here are so nice. Free food. Because <laughs> when oh you start, like the first month, is is like you're learning AdWords, right? And one of the things someone has to do is look at disapproved ads. Sorry, this is different to the to the YouTube disapprovals, but it's a similar thing. Yeah, like yeah. You're seeing ads that are disapproved, and sometimes they're like display banner ads that have stupid stuff on it. But I know a lot of senior people 
uh, who like even I worked with, they started in that job and it was just kind of like a rite of passage. Like in the PR world, you're someone's assistant for five years and you're running, getting coffee. This was the equivalent of that. So uh, thankfully I didn't have to do that. But um, Alex, how are you doing for time? I know you got to run soon. Uh, so. Let me double check. All right, cool. I And Slack is down. So I guess that means that I can take off for the day, right? Yeah, you're good, man. Well, there, um, we just found the best internal joke from Carvin. If the Slack's down, nobody's working. <laughs> oh man, everything happens on Slack. It's been it's been wild to see, like, not to get too serious, but just a company with product market fit growing at our scale to just see how things work inside. Could like, you throw us some fast... numbers? Like, how big are you on valuation? Like, what kind of uh, how many partners do you have? I can share what's public. So we raised the Series C in October at a $600 million valuation. Um, the company was probably totaled 800 employees at the time. Now, keep in mind, a lot of those are clinic staff, like people who work in clinics, doctors, et cetera. We're now 1,500 people. And wow. so um, I think somewhere around that, our product team has gone from eight or so when I joined back in February to over 20 now with open roles. Um, engineering's gone from 20 something like close to probably 50 it's supposed to be like 80 or 90 at the end of this year. Like we're growing like a weed um, in terms of numbers. Like we're at probably 70 or 80 clinics. Uh, up from, are you in Alex? Sorry. A lot of California. So a lot of like the suburbs of LA, a Bay area. Um, but then we have locations in Reno, Nevada, Washington, um, Louisiana, Florida, trying to think we're in like nine eight or nine states nice. we're in, we do virtual care as well um no it's been it, it's it's amazing to see like the most competent people that i've worked with all work in this like chaotic environment because we're doing so much stuff we actually did we've administered uh, about a million and a half vaccines in the last two and a half months wow. so oh, just wow. to like that's amazing. crazy yeah just to to see that stuff and that's a lot of the software i worked on over when i started was just like all hands on deck for vaccines um it's been unreal like what just is, watching uh, all these people work for carbon what is kind of like what is ultimate outcome five ten years from now you guys hit every major target what does carbon look like so our mission is to make world-class healthcare accessible to everyone whether or not you know it's uh, the difference between us and some of the other like high-end primary care providers is they try to sell through employers and they charge yearly fees and blah 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 um our thesis is like by have, by being a software company at our core, we can reduce the cost of care and then pass that cost on to people. Um, in 10 years, we'd like to be the Starbucks of primary care. So a location on every corner um, is kind of the goal. And so when you think about, I don't know how much I can give away, but there's, there's a lot that involves like a hybrid approach between virtual care and then in-person care. Um, there's, there's a hybrid, there's a lot to do with like transparency and how you get access to your records and get referrals and order labs, things like that. So um, but that's our goal is to, to be at a shit ton of locations in five to 10 years. If you're the Starbucks <laughs> of healthcare, can I run your BitClout account in 10 years? <laughs> I, I don't see why not. Head of content. <laughs> head of shit posting. Yo, yeah, head of, head of uh, BitClout for, uh, for Carbon Health. <laughs> I, I actually think we, uh, we should step up our, our Carbon Health shit posting on Twitter. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I mean, There's a lot dude, to post about, dude. It's a crazy yeah, world The healthcare world out industry there. has uh, no shortage of uh, j jokes, right? 100%, no. man. That's meme. That's like gold meme territory right there. And I'm like, I feel like I know 1%. Uh, not even. I probably know like a quarter percent of how the healthcare industry works. It's, it's, it's this massive space that I still don't know. Like, I'm not a doctor. I don't come from a healthcare background. I come from a product background. And so I feel like I'm learning something new every day.
uh, or like every every hour just I don't know how most of the stuff works and the healthcare is big. <laughs> I, I, you actually had an amazing tweet. It was like something along the lines of, uh, you know, every time I think I'm smart, like I sit next to some dude that does CRISPR <laughs> therapeutics. It's like, this guy is just fucking in like 10 seconds of talking. This guy knows, yeah. demonstrates more knowledge than I'll ever know. Well, so that was inspired. So I had knee surgery like a little over two months ago. I tore my ACL trying to enjoy nature as it goes. <laughs> and so Listen, um, never enjoy nature. Yeah. Fuck that. Stay inside. Outdoors is scary. <laughs> and so um, I was having surgery. I was like in the prep room, like waiting to have knee surgery. And the surgeon comes in and he's all chill. And he's like, you ready? I was like, no, I'm not ready. And he's like, it's chill, dude. I just did another one right before this. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? He's just going back and back and forth between uh, Assembly just, line. like surgery after surgery, like cutting into people. And I watched a YouTube video and I was like, did I really go through that? And it's just amazing. I just feel so dumb compared to these people who can like cut into people's bodies and replace bones and ligaments and do all this stuff. And for them, it's super casual. Um, or you think about, you know, the people who like invented the, the, the vaccines and like MRNA technology. I'm just like, what am I? I definitely like if I, I went, I took a dumb path. I'm an idiot. Like <laughs> that's the path I went. <laughs> yeah, but the, the the surgeons you can't they can't scale their businesses, man. Jack will tell you there's no leverage in that business. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Man, I mean, I, and that's actually why we exist for primary care. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, we've had we had a baby th- 13 weeks ago, and like, congrats. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And just yeah, like life. my interaction with the healthcare system has never been more frequent than in the last 13 weeks, and it's like <laughs> the system is is horrible, but the people who work in it are just. Yeah. Phenomenal beyond unbelievable. Belief. It's just unreal, man. It's like whatever yeah. you can do to like make their lives easier and help them like help more people is just an incredibly worthy cause. So props yeah. to we're, you. we're expecting in seven and a half weeks. So I'm right behind. Oh, yeah, nice. buddy. Congrats, Congrats man. Congrats. It looks like we have a three way dad jokes. Bilal, sorry, dude, man. Yeah. <laughs> Start a new WhatsApp thread. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I had some questions for Jack. I'm uh, Jack, you got the merch coming. Can you talk about the merch? Are you revving up the merch? Look at the all... fresh hat though. Yeah, yeah they're looking so clean. Jack oh, and the merch wearing, hoodie. Uh, He's got a visualized value hat and a visualized value sweater. Is this all in response to Put- you losing your Twitter accounts and you're like, <laughs> I need to monetize on his question? No, it's, uh, I mean, my um, my wife is like, we need to be wearing, you know, you go to the airport and stuff and you know when people like wear the McKinsey vests and all that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. It's like, <laughs> you're out and about all day long. It's like, you're a little walking billboard wearing some other brand. It's like, you need to wear your own stuff. So it's like, all right, I've got- I love that ideas. she said that. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. Is that for sale? I, I could go for a, a sweatshirt like that. That just oh, says yeah. merch. I love it. It's on me, mate. It's on me. Send me your address. I I get it to you. Wait, the, Jack, uh, how how's that moving? By the way, man, those are sick. Yeah, that looks cool. They're selling, man. Yeah, I'm doing a hundred. <laughs> I'm doing a hundred drop. A, a drop of a hundred each, and uh, most of it sells out pretty quick. Um, oh my god! But it's just fun, man. I, I like it's um. We don't like you don't make a lot of money selling merch right unless you're selling like ludicrous stuff um but it's uh it's fun to do the we work with printful which is just ridiculously efficient business like mind-blowingly so what do you you mean so we it's a it's a shopify plugin okay so what you do is your lot you can essentially customize a product in the back end of printful Say, I want this embroidered. I want it at that scale. They've got like, this is a champion sweatshirt. So they got like quality material that they put it on. And then their turnaround time, man. I don't know, man. This is like a logistical miracle, man. What they do is like the, 
in some cases, an order comes in, I'll get an email confirmation and it leaves their facility two hours later, embroidered, packaged. That's incredible. There's another company piece. like that. That's amazing. Yeah, so there's that, another company like that. Yeah. I forgot what it's called, but they basically they let independent artists upload their art and then they sell it in posters and canvases and all this stuff. And then a lot of the money goes to the um, goes to the artist and it's like drop shipping basically on demand. It's really cool. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's incredible. I, I uh, and this is global, so they must have facilities, you know, in certain uh, logistically intelligent places and they can get a hat from you know, a Shopify store in the States to like an address in Singapore in three days. It's just mental. Do you think you could turn this merch business into a seven figure business? Honest question. I have a thesis there. Okay. (laughs) I love the, I love the pause in there. I love it. Alex is just nodding. He's waiting. The investor. Uh, um, I believe that any competent product has, has at least a million dollars in total addressable market to sell into. No matter what it is, you could invent the dumbest shit, and I guarantee that there are enough people that would buy a million dollars worth of like that a product. meme coin or something. Any, anything. And I, if, if it if it if works you could sell for one. you, yeah, if you yeah, could sell one, true. there's enough. There's enough people in the world. You might just be a terrible marketer, and that's a different conversation. Right. But right. you should be able to sell a million dollars in gross merchandise value of it. I love that. That's, that's a great. I think I yeah. I think that's a great. Uh, model for people to think about like go and hustle for that first sale and then the rest is logistics marketing like that's badass Mm -hmm. so so a million dollars per product that's the challenge now trunk (laughs) (laughs) million sweater million (laughs) no I, i mean it's a fun it's a fun business and i think like to have built a brand up and then have people interested in wearing it is like it gives you an amazing feeling as well it's like a pretty cool thing for have how an many, endorsement that somebody's going to put it on themselves. How many individual people has visualized value uh, exchange money with? Like individual customers. Probably about thousands. 12, 13,000. Oh, so man, dude, That's you haven't amazing. even touched the yeah. surface yet. You haven't even like, t- I mean, dude, man, you haven't, like once you hit 100,000, you're <laughs> laughing, right? That's crazy, dude. Uh, just real quick, I think Alex needs to kick. He, he was messaging. So, Alex, thanks for joining, man. Hey, well, we'll have to do this again. And uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for bringing us. Ship post into the, awesome, the pod man. today. I know that <laughs> we to join whenever. Well, we love to have that. I mean, that was quite interesting actually. I'm I'm just curious, Jack. Like, what else you got on the docket for the for the ecom stuff, man? Are there is it just like clothes and merch, or because I mean, the first thing I think of is like artwork, which obviously mm-hmm. you've done digital art with NFTs. But like, I think when we first spoke, I literally said to you, "Oh, I would." paid to have that print out of one of my favorite one of your pieces like the this is pointless one and it's just like you put on the wall because it looks kind of cool but it represents something too so yeah i'm curious like what else you'd be interested in doing yeah i did have so i tested that maybe 18 months ago now when when probably had 2000 twitter followers and did canvas prints and that's amazing. Wait, and it's, they sold. There's a few that sold. It you were selling at 2,000 Twitter followers. Oh my yeah. goodness! Dude. I love that, man. I haven't turned it back on, but um, I don't oh, know. Man. You just get like you get um, you get weirdly caught in these like uh, you know, all in this or all in that. And I'm I'm slowly like you got to expand your skews, man. If you want to build a big, dude, I really think, I I think, uh, the, the crypto chronicles, like you're joking about. So Jack 
in, in our three-way chat that we have, a really popular three-way chat. Jack sent us the, just sends these, I mentioned it, he just sends all these amazing tweets from the, from the crypto Twitter. And uh, dude, I really think you could be a one-man just crypto media. I mean, there's a lot out there right now, but it's literally booming. Coinbase just announced they're hiring a team of 30 to build their own media arm, right? Like, you could, I mean, I know you already do quote-unquote media I've, stuff, but like, man, Jack could really yeah, go all I think you've been thinking about it, right? Jack, to do a lot more of this sort of stuff anyway. Yeah, I think um, the premise, like, or the, the brand, right? Visualize value as a vehicle to explain shit that a lot of people don't intuitively get like it's the output of me trying to understand stuff that i did not previously understand and crypto is one of the most incredible examples of that there's like loads of commercial applications for it but crypto is like this interesting cross-section where you got enough people interested in it where it's like pop culture i, I think finance in general is kind of getting that way trung right it's like your 100 um, your twitter account and like what we're seeing is Finance is pop culture, like Elon is a celebrity. CEOs in the 80s or 70s, like who gives a shit who the yeah, CEO no one of knows a car them, company no is, like I have no clue. Um, but now, because all the barriers to entry to invest in are coming down, it's like, you, you know, you're bought into the, like you're literally bought into these stories in the same way that like, I don't know, you'd watch a TV show every week. 20 years ago, you're invested in the plot. It's like now, you know, you have some skin in the game, um, Maybe maybe only a fraction, like the Elons of the world. But um, even seeing Ford, like trying to take to, you know, they got Biden to ride that uh, that F one fifty yesterday, and like you're gonna see way more like people trying to break through, right? Better execution on social for brands. Yeah, um, crypto is just crazy. Though. It's like how the hell do you even begin to start to curate this stuff when there's a, a thousand assets have you started have day. you started uh doing like your images for crypto to try to explain it mm, i've done a few like i've had actually some client stuff in crypto but it's um it's so nuanced and the people that are involved in it are like i, I shouldn't generalize but a lot of people involved in it are like very technical to the point where it's like oh it doesn't yeah. you know it doesn't exactly explain what's different about us and it's like <laughs> The crypto community is kind of like tearing each other apart for that reason, right? It's like, yeah, no, that's a shit coin. Everything that isn't this is an absolute like disgrace to humanity and should not be ever <laughs> talked about. So you got to even be careful, like what you back as a brand, if Which you want to retain the loyalty I mean, of. Yeah, you know, I mean, that was your big. That was your big code thing, right? You're being very careful. Yeah, that was part I of think, your. Yeah, a lot of people are like, this is a scam, dude. Like, they comment on it. It's like, it's bullshit. It's like, well, uh, go and read the stuff that I read yesterday and <laughs> tell me why. But no, yeah. it's like the meme is in your head. You're, that's how you're going to respond at that point. I think also Again. people have like old talking points that just kind of, they haven't like updated. The stuff is changing so quickly. Like, honestly, the environmental impact of Bitcoin is kind of one of them. Like if you read a little bit more about it, you can find a little bit more information of like things that are going to change, proof of stake, that's going to reduce uh, energy consumption, whatever. And uh, but like it changes so quickly that people don't aren't following it completely. And then you then you get like the religious aspect, whereas B2C camp versus Ethereum and then people like uh, really invested in it because they have a bunch of money in it. 
it's, it's really hard to to do that man like everyone's just fighting for their own horse no i was just gonna say one of the things you guys said which was amazing that made me think a lot was you see a lot of people go from btc to eth but not the other way around is that true it seems to be anecdotally mm, okay. yeah anecdotally not investment advice but definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh do you guys have anything else you want to talk about i think that was a good episode nice to have alex on I know it was uh, all over the fucking place, but uh, <laughs> listen, it's not investment advice, man. If you're here for proper produced podcasts or investment advice, you're in the <laughs> wrong place. So we're here to chat. Do you guys have anything else you want to add? I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing I'd say we didn't touch on during the chat is like zooming out, right? Like because the last few days have been kind of scary all serious, in all seriousness for a lot of people. Like I've seen messages from people being like, oh, I put my life savings in this. And I'm like, this is terrible and obviously us three are joking around all the time on here but this is like a serious thing um and i think what we've if you zoom out you'll see that yeah there was a drop of 50 60 percent but if you even look just at a six month time horizon i think um ethereum is still up 400 plus percent bitcoin is up double 100 percent as well so it's just like in the grand scheme of things this is a huge bull market i don't think we're even in the bear market properly yet so this could continue to drop significantly so yeah as always no investment advice listen, man, as a <laughs> chartered financial analyst at one time <laughs> yeah. i mean listen let me just leave on two words it's less it's like honestly for the most people if you're playing crypto you should assume it's going to go to zero right treat it as an angel investment uh, you and that's number one and number two is yeah you should be looking at a long time frame right but I do understand that some people are going to get burned that's just the nature of the beast um, but yeah treat it you shouldn't treat it like yeah I know I know Jack's going to disagree <laughs> you really shouldn't treat it like uh, if you're not prepared to handle the volatility you should treat it as if assuming I'll go to zero like that's the I reality. disagree with Completely. that I think that's good advice <laughs> no it's good advice it's good advice alright um, guys that's uh, so it's a good episode yeah good episode guys let's uh we'll talk uh next week yeah make sure you get your bitcoin pizza this weekend and celebrate and uh <laughs> huddle and stay calm and carry on all right Indeed.